So today we're going to celebrate uh, the conclusion of the This Is Us series and also our opportunity to make our commitments to the next phase of building buildings. Now, I need to tell you all this. I'd rather take a beating than build a building. I remember back way in the 90s, we were building our church facility at Parkway, our, the church plant there, and, and I said, dead gummit, we're not building buildings, we're building people, we're building lives. And of course, the building lives philosophy started with that utterance. And we're not building buildings, we're building people, providing space for our students. Do you know our students are under tremendous pressure today? Did y'all know that? In fact, uh, there's an election coming up uh, for school board. We need to vote. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to vote unless you want me to. I'll tell you afterwards, kind of secret whispered in your ear. But we need to get out and we need to vote and we need to represent the values that God has placed in our heart. We need to take action. Historically, Baptists have been very politically minded, not in the midst of politics as politics, but the mix of being influential in our culture. And so we, we need to do that. Our children need more space. We, we use every square inch of this building to uh, these buildings to minister to kids, and they, they need space. And, and Lord God knows we need to straighten out that dadgum parking lot. So everybody would agree with that. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah. So that's the whole process of what we're about today. And today's going to be an exciting day. And I wrote this a few weeks ago for you, and I want to read it. A vision is a dream with a plan. And God has a vision, has a dream for us, but always God always has a plan. In 1884, a small group of people gathered at Jacob's Well with a dream to launch a gospel outpost in the wilds of Texas. Texas in 1884 was not a safe place. We're coming at the conclusion of the Civil War, the, the Comanches were still roaming around and and it just wasn't a safe place. But these people convinced that they wanted to live life all for Jesus. They wanted to live life building lives that honor God. They started a little outpost of Jacob's well. And for all these years, that dream with the vision has been alive and has changed this valley. Uh, it's shown as bright as the stars at night shining in the Texas sky. And that vision still burns. But you know what? I believe God has given us a new dream today. Actually, it's not a new dream. It's the redreaming of an old dream. The dream to be a church that builds people. A dream that says, you know, regardless of the harsh realities of frontier life, regardless of the crushing weight of, the, of our culture that's sliding into depravity, there's a church here that, that needs to exist. There's a place for a dart of hope to pierce the heart of every person. And that's why God has us here together. And this is us has been all about that intentionality of reminding us of who we are. I, I want to point this out. This is probably a little shallow, but I got on the same shirt I wore during all those videos. Did y'all notice that? Some of y'all hoping that shirt would go away, but here it is yet once again. It, why? Because I want us to reconnect with our hearts. I want us to reconnect with our God. We are not doing business as usual Y'all, we are not doing church. We're being the church. All for Jesus. I thought about what I would say these, this, this day, and I've actually divided my sermon, talk, whatever I call it, into three parts. And I want to share the first part with you because I think it's time to redream the dream. And I want to read this passage of Scripture 
uh, for you. And it's found in Joshua chapter one. Actually, we're gonna look at three distinct passages of scripture today and talk about what those mean. And I wanna read them for you. You can follow along if you got your smart device, your phone, or your Bible. There's one in front of you, Joshua chapter one. It'll be on the screen as well. And I wanna read this to you. And I just wanna take some time to pull out some thoughts. Not very long, cause you know, I can't preach for 45 minutes each time. I could, but I ought not to, cause y'all got hot dogs to eat. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Can you imagine standing at your graveside, someone would say, there lies the servant of the Lord. The faithfulness of Moses was staggering. The responsibility that was cast on Joshua's shoulders was unbelievable. Joshua stood there probably with his heart beating fast, wondering what in the world am I getting into? In fact, he didn't think what in the world he was getting into. He knew what he was getting into. He had a stiff neck people and an unbelievably hard assignment, and he needed the help of the Lord. And listen to what the Lord says to Joshua. My servant is dead. Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever your foot set will be on the land I've given you. From the Nevia wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north to the Euphrates River on the east to the Mediterranean Sea on the west, including all the land of the Hittites. All the land of the Hittites. One of the great uh, empires of the ancient world. God was giving them all the land. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I'll be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and be courageous. For you are the one to lead these people and to possess the land I swore to their ancestors. I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions I gave you. Do not deviate them from from them turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study the book of instructions continually. Meditate on it day and night, and you'll surely to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. You hear that promise? When you meditate and you stay true to Scripture, then you'll be successful. I love that promise from God. And then God ends it this way. He said, this is my command. The last two were suggestions. Then God says, okay, buddy, sit up straight, listen in intently, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. My precious wife, Tara, she asked me this morning, she said, are you nervous? I said, well, baby, I'm nervous every time I have to preach. You ask me to sing, I ain't nervous at all. You ask me, some of y'all are nervous when I sing, but if you ask me to preach, I'm always a little nervous because this is a big deal, y'all. I said, but I'm not nervous about what, how our people respond because we've had a campaign that's been about your heart and not your wallet. This has been about us remembering who we are it's, we're not going to judge success by the dollar amounts. We're going to judge our success by our faithfulness to the call of God in our lives. And it's about vision. And it's about the dream. See, we must remember 
who we are and to whom we belong. Who, who, who are we? Huh. Well, we're Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-empowered, missionally focused movement for King Jesus to bring the gospel to every person who will hear. That's who we are. We're sinners who've been saved by grace. Not by our own righteousness or our own good deeds. God is not impressed with you. Did you know that? He doesn't look at you and go, wow, that's a smart one there. Or he doesn't look at me and say, that's a real pretty one there. He never said that. But you know what he says? It's my beloved. And I saved them. I drew them out of darkness into marvelous light. And he didn't draw us out of darkness for our own convenience or our own comfort. He drew us out of darkness into his marvelous light that we might be bright, shining lights of hope to people who have no hope. Every, listen to me, every ministry this church does is not for us. It's for others. Every sermon, every gathering we have is not for us. It's for others. Every group we have is not for us. It's for others. And I'm going to push a little further. Every time I spend time with the Lord, it's not for me. It's for you that I might love you better because I'm walking closer with Jesus. I got to remember. But also I need to remember to have courage to see what God sees. Did y'all know the Hebrew children only occupied one-tenth of the promised land? One-tenth. All of this was promised to God. But because of their lack of courage or lack of vision or lack of faith or something, they didn't get everything God wanted for them. I don't want to live my life and not get everything God has for me. Do you? I don't want to hear God say, ah, you did okay, good and somewhat faithful servant. I want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then as a church, do we want to fill in our epoch of history with courage and faithfulness? Or do we want to fill in our epoch of history with mediocrity and comfort? I don't know about you, but I want my life to, to matter for King Jesus. We must be willing to take a risk. To risk um, our finances to take a risk on, on uh, doing things that nobody else is doing to reach people nobody else is reaching. To change things. Oh, that's a nasty word. But not just to change things to change things, but to change things in order for us to be more effective in reaching people and, and communicating the gospel with clarity. Did, did y'all know that back in King James days that their vocabulary was far greater than ours? And if you read King James today, you can hardly understand what they're saying, right? Pick up a copy of Shakespeare and see if you can figure out all that, what he said. And so we must simplify and not dumb things down, never changing the message of Jesus Christ ever, never departing from the gospel, but with clarity and intentionality, help people understand who Jesus is to take a risk. And we must stay true to the gospel. Do you know why? Because there's no power without it. What is the gospel? I'll tell you in a nutshell. The God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is the gospel. 
And that's who we are. Earlier this week, Tara and I turned in our commitment card. Um, my wife and I, we've lost our minds. I don't know if y'all have heard this, but we remodeled our house and then we sold it. I know. It's because we like to move. <laughs> I'm reminded of all my years as I move furniture. But we did this in order to put ourselves in a, in a better position to be more generous as, as we get older. Also, Tara wanted a one-story house and not a two-story. And so you know what I do? Yes, ma'am. Whatever you want. Happy wife, happy. There you go. So we're not moving far, so don't get your hopes up. We're still going to be close. But we're doing all this because, well, we, made a, we want to make a commitment. We want to make a commitment financially. And we want to do it not because we have to. And I want to tell you something else. What we do ain't none of your business. And you know what? What you do ain't none of my business. Okay? Is that agreed? And somebody said, well, I ain't going to turn in a pledge card. Then don't. Well, I sure ain't going to sign it. Then don't. Because pledge cards mean nothing. It's just a way for us to see where we are. Bank doesn't take pledge cards, y'all. It ain't cash. They like cash. But it's all about us saying we're going to do something together for the glory of King Jesus. So at the end of our gathering, we're going to have an opportunity to make our commitments. And I'm excited about that. But today we're going to party. We're going to celebrate. We're going to remember who we are. Because as sure as the Texas stars are bright in the night sky, so is this church shining brightly to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth, all for Jesus. Father, thank you for what we've seen and heard and felt already. And Father, as we continue to sing and continue to worship, I pray that you just speak to us as we engage, as you want us to engage, to be who you want us to be. And I pray this all in your strong name. Amen. Who might at the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Sing it with me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, it's free I'm a child.
this morning. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for singing. Go ahead and grab a seat. Many of you know that Tara is a kindergarten teacher and she has something called the Focus Fox. I've seen some of y'all give that to me on a Sunday morning. Focus. Focus Fox. She also has a few other sayings. What are you doing? What should you be doing? Which is, I've heard a lot lately. As we've been cleaning a house, what are you doing? I know college football is on, but you need to be making sure all the spiders no longer have a home in our house. So she assigns a guy that's going to have eye surgery in a week to go clean spider webs. Does that make sense? One-eyed looking at spider webs. Anyway, she also says this. This is the latest one. You get what you get, so don't pitch a fit. I don't like that one because I like to get what I want, right? And if I don't get what I want, what do I do? Pitch a fit. And she says, and you'll be happy with it as well. That's how she ends it. You, you get what you get, don't pitch a fit. You'll be happy with it. Yes, ma'am. But I want us to refocus. And what's really kind of exciting is I was getting ready for this day. As I was thinking about what I would say to you on this celebration day. Because you don't flip through the preacher manual and it says, oh, the celebration study, you need to say these things. We have to write this stuff, y'all. It's like a major paper due every week. You know, I don't just get up here and wing it. Did y'all know that? Now, be careful now. But I said, you know, I wanted to look at the passages of Scripture that God really uses to inspire my heart. 
1991, I was sitting in my office. I was an associate pastor. And I looked out over church life and I said, you know, if this is it, I don't want to do it. Because it was a show. Now, in my, listen to this. This is really was my heart. It wasn't that church, it was me. Because God wanted me to be a pastor and I was in disobedience. So oftentimes when you're in disobedience, get what, guess what? You get grumpy. Did you know that? How dare you say that? But it's true. And I read Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read it to you, and that captivated my heart. I said, this is what the kind of church I want to be a pastor of. And so for the last years, we started the church in 1992, and for all these years that I've been a pastor, that's been a long time. That's, that's a long time. That's, that's a long time, isn't it? It's a long time that this is the church that I think we're becoming. Let me read it for you. All believers devoted themselves. Can you imagine if we were all devoted to the Lord and to one another? What would that look like? In Jerusalem, you know what it looked like? Poverty was eradicated. Hope was springing forth. Lives were being changed. Eternities were being altered because all believers, they believed in Jesus and he caused them to vote them, devoted themselves. What were they devoted to? To the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. To the teachings of God's word. Now, y'all, you ain't got Peter as your pastor. You got me. Or James or John or Andrew, even old Thomas. I, I doubt he was very good. But you know, they had been with the Lord and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to one another. And then I love this, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. That's what this translation said. One translation said, to the breaking of bread, which many uh, scholars talk about. Is that communion? Was that the Lord's Supper? Was that fellowship meal? Was it quinonia when they, when they shared together? And it was the answer is yes. Yes. They were observing it together, and yes. And to prayer. This past week, we gathered at the wall, at the hope wall, the prayer wall, and we prayed. We prayed. And and I had this thought about the next series we're going to do. I'm going to declare, I'm going to make a declaration. Is that all right if I make a declaration? That November be the the month of blessing. And I want to invite you to write your blessings, name them one by one, and to place them in the wall. And let's fill up the wall with blessings. The blessings of of God, the blessings of relationships, the blessing of health, of healing, of hope. The blessed that some of the people that we've loved, they're blessed by going to heaven. And let's make the month of November the month of blessing. Are y'all okay with that declaration? Because we need to name our blessings. And you'll be surprised what the Lord has done. And they devoted themselves to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Where was that one place? The temple. They met on the Temple Mount, which held 300,000 people. Josephus, the great Roman historian, said that the early church had over 100,000 people in Jerusalem. And they met on the temple. They met on the Temple Mount. It wasn't this little tiny thing. It was this huge movement. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. It wasn't communism, y'all. 
It was that you got a need, we're going to meet that need. If I got something, that you need something, I will sell something so you get your need met. I'm going to do this. And they worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. The other day I was talking to our widows and one of our, one of our widow ladies here, she said, you know, I've had a group in my home during This Is Us and that's my family now. Why? Because we were acting like Acts 2. And they shared their meals and they worshiped together with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. They enjoyed everybody, even the weird ones among us. Y'all saying, we ain't got no weird ones. It's you. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is, this is what we're becoming. This is the vision God had for us in 1884. He didn't say, I'm going to make them a Baptist church. He says, no, I'm going to make them a biblical church. And I want to make them a church that loves each other deeply and loves lost people supremely and honors me with their lives. And they're going to do whatever it takes. They're going to move five, six, seven times. They're going to change their name at least five times. They're going to have a lot of pastors come and go and some of them will be great and some of them are going to be some of them. (laughs) But I'm going to move in them. And then as the years pass, And as this church ages, she's going to become more passionate and more youthful and more gracious and more grace-filled because that's who I, I say you are. And we just sang this, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Do you know many things come along that catch our eye? Do you know that? But there's a few things that come along that catch our hearts. I could name the things that catch my heart on one hand. Tara, obviously. This, this great shirt. <laughs> that ain't on the list. My kids, my little grandkids, those two little girls, they're coming today for the party. I want to tell y'all a secret. I throw parties so they'll come up so I can see them. Um, you have. You've captured my heart. Oh, yeah, you're aggravating. You complain about stuff that ain't worth complaining about. And I pray for you. I woke up this morning, four o'clock in the morning, praying for y'all. And I said, Lord, can I just go back to sleep? Can you just take care of them? He said, no, you're their pastor. That's what you do. And this church being the hope of the world has captured my heart. And this is who we are. So I need to tell you this. When I'm in Latin America training pastors, you're with me. You're with me. It ain't me down there on some vacation, is it, Mitch? They're working us like, uh, did Mitch leave? Okay. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, it's like we work like red and mules, don't we, Mitch? Can you say that in Spanish, working like a rented mule? 
what he said. But this is who we are, to refocus and to be reminded and to let the things of God capture our hearts. And what capture our hearts change eternity. All for Jesus. Now we'll pray. And while I'm praying, these musicians go come back and get in their place. Aren't you musicians? They're moving like young deer right now. And we're going to sing a couple of more songs. Father, thank you for what you're saying to us this morning. And I pray we'll be captivated by who we are and refocus our lives to live all for you. And we pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. If you guys want to stand or sit, however you feel comfortable, feel free. We do want you to sing with us, though. I count on one thing. Let's sing this out. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. Same God is never late, is working all things out, is working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy for all. My days, oh yes, I will. Let's sing that again. Count on one thing. I count on one thing. The same God who never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now. In the way the same God who's never late is working all things out, working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Too high in the 
Father God, we thank you, God, for what you have done through Jesus Christ. God, we love you. We give you praise because of him and our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, you guys grab a seat for just a moment. Amen. Thanks, Jeremy. You know, it all comes down to, to this. What am I going to do? What am I going to do to redream the dream God has for us? What am I going to do in order for me to say I want to be a part of of that church like we found in, in Acts chapter two. I really, I've taught this to, to pastors before. I remember one guy come up, came up to me after I talked about Acts two and he said, you know, Scott, that's impossible. That's impossible. What happened to Jerusalem really was kind of that one-time event in all of history, like the splitting of the Red Sea, like the burning bush, like the virgin birth, like the star in the east. That is that one event in history that has come and is gone, and it'll never be again. And I said to that dear brother, I said, you know what? I'm sad that you believe that. I know those things that you listed are true, that those are one-time events, and we're probably not gonna get another burning bush, or, or what I like to do is put out a fleece, like Gideon did, and I have never had a, a dry or a wet blanket. Well, I've had a few wet blankets, but no dry ones. But I said, you know what? I think this dream that God has for the church is still alive and well. And I think about historians who've written about the church over the years and, and how we let it erode into ritual and, and form where God never intended it to be ritualistic. He intended it to be vital and relational and life-giving. And we look at Acts 2 and said, can that be again? But you know what? God doesn't want us to be the church in Jerusalem. He wants us to be the church in Wimberley. So I need to recommit. My parents were married 58 years. They were 10 years apart. Uh, Dad served in World War II. He landed day two at Normandy. I think he was a true hero. Dad was 10 years older than Mom. And um, they, dated, they dated six weeks before they got married. They had a long engagement. I said, Daddy, why'd you move so fast? He said, I was afraid she's going to get away. And I understand that because I've outmarried myself big time. <laughs> At their 50th wedding anniversary, my sister was pestering them 
to renew their vows. This is what my daddy said. Darling, when I married your mama, I meant it, and I ain't changed my mind. I don't need to recommit what I've already committed to. But you know, I know me and I know you, and there's times we need to recommit to Jesus. There's times that we drift away, times we become cold and indifferent, times that we forget, times we get caught up when we think it's about us, or is that just me? We need to recommit. In the book of Isaiah, and I love the book of Isaiah, when I'm looking for guidance, I go to Isaiah, and I read what his promises and his his encouragement. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah was part of the royal family, and and his, uh, his friend, King Uzziah, had died. And he was in mourning. And when he was in mourning and grief, he went to the temple to find comfort and relief. And this is what happened. It was the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he was sitting on a lofty throne, and he, the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their face, and two they covered their feet, and two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it is, a, it is all over. Or as the King James says, woe is me. Another translation says, um, I'm, I'm in trouble. It's finished. I am undone. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man, and I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. <coughs> Excuse me. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal, and he taken it from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it, and he said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. And then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? And who will go for us? Giving us a glimpse of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all entwined in one, our living God, three in one. Who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. And as I read those passages, I remember the recommitments of my life. At 15, when I said, here am I. At 21, here am I. At 33, here am I. Two and a half years ago, here am I. Send me. And here we are. I heard a preacher once say that we know that they weren't Baptists because they'd say, here am I, send him. (laughs) But y'all, here we are. Here we are. I've walked in our new buildings. I've seen them teeming with students, teenagers. I see them coming to Christ. I see their lives being built. I've seen a a place where there is no place currently in our valley for them to gather. I've seen that place. I've I've seen you fellowshipping and singing and praising and new people be invited into circles of hope. I've seen it. 
I've been to that place where the kids can't wait to come back to, and they ask their moms and dads, can we come back? Can we come back? Can we come, come back? And then giving their little hearts to Jesus and then living all for Jesus all their lives, saved from the ravages of sin because they have a marvelous Savior who's interceding for them and standing before them and directing them. I've, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. Because I've seen it, I want to be a part of it. I want to commit to it. And it's not about me. It's about the Lord. It's about what he wants to do. And what I'm understanding as I read this passage of scripture, there's some truths that I want you to, to hear me, okay? Here's the first truth I want you to get. God will never adjust to you. But you can always adjust to him. He will accept you as you are, but he will not leave you as you are. We can't say to God, now God, you come down here and bless what we're doing. He's not going to do that. What we need to say, oh God, let us know what you're doing so we can be blessed by joining you in it. And let our lives be changed by this truth. We as a church, we must remember this. We are serving a holy God. This is not casual. This is not coincidental. This is intentional. We are serving a holy God. And that we are in a raging battle for the heart, souls, lives of men and women, boys and girls requires our best efforts, our brightest minds, our whole lives. We are called by God to join him in the depopulation of hell. That's who we are. And when we see God for who he is and what he wants, we see the vision of 1884. We see the courage of 1884. I, I've read a lot of our history. And, and I've seen there were times that we shared buildings with other denominations. <gasps> what? Yeah. I've also read that we threw some people out of the church for dancing on the square. But we ain't going to go there. <sighs> they saw me dancing on the square and throw me out of church too. Because it's just repulsive. That's all I can say. But we have to remember who we are and what God has done for us. And then I have to realize that God, more than anything, he wants my life. He wants my life. So how, am I, how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond? For those of you who've never given your heart to Christ... Maybe your response, not maybe, your response should be, Jesus, I'm yours. I give my life to you. I want to live for you. For those of us who've given our lives to Christ, maybe our response, no, 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 our response should be, Jesus, I'm yours. Here am I. Send me. Maybe you've been casual and, and not intentional. Maybe time it's, Time to step up. Maybe you've been very intentional and it's time for you to go further. Here am I. Send me. So I want to give you an opportunity to, to respond. And I'm going to lead you through some responses. So let's, let's bow our heads, okay? 
Father, I thank you for this opportunity to come to this place of response to you. As we remember who you are and the dream you've had for us and the intentionality you have for us about being that church and now we see you, who you are, high and lifted up and, and realizing that you're calling us to give our lives to you. I pray that today will be a celebration of just that, of us giving our lives to you. There's some here this morning that have never trusted you and today is the day of their salvation. So Father, I pray for those who need to give their life to you that they will pray this to you right now. They will pray this, Jesus, I'm yours. I ask that you forgive me of my sins, be my savior, that I'm gonna live for you. And Father, I know that as that came out of their mouth and rang into heaven, that you heard it and you received them and you saved them. Father, there's others in this room like me that need to be reminded, here my Lord, send me. Here my, send me. Here my, send me. That we might live all for you. And so, Father, as we, as we give here and as we commit here and as we pledge here, may you be glorified in everything that's said and done. And I pray this in your strong name. Amen. Our rushers are coming forward right now. And we're going to do this now. We're going we're gonna to give back to the Lord. Now, it's not the time for your pledge cards. I'll talk to you about that in a minute. But we want to worship in giving. And why do we pass the plate around here? So we can make you feel uncomfortable? No. We pass the plate because we believe it's an act of worship. That's why. Giving is an act of worship. Other churches do it another way. That's fine. But we around here believe that giving is an act of worship. So we want to worship the Lord in giving right now. So if you're grumpy, keep it. If you're a guest with us, we're not after your money. We're after your heart. We're glad you're here. But the rest of us, let's worship the Lord right now in giving. Gentlemen.
You know, there's times where God just gives you a glimpse. And uh, I saw my daddy, uh, who said that all the time, all my life you've been faithful. And all my life you've been so, so good. And when he died, he said, it ain't nothing but a little dying. And I want to live in the goodness of God, don't you? And I want others to live in the goodness of God, don't you? And because God has captured my heart, he captures my life. And I want to live all for Jesus. And I want us to live all for Jesus. Why? Because this is us. This is who we are. Now this morning, if you came ready to make a commitment, you have your pledge cards with you. I'm going to give you some simple instructions. We have receptacles all around the room. 
You can come and just place them there. And as you place them there, be prayerful. But you know, today's not the only day. We're going to leave the pledging opportunity open up until Christmas to give and you pray. And, and some of you may say, oh, I'm ready. Some of you say, I'm not ready. That's okay. We're going to do this together. And then when we figure out what we're going to do, we're going to do it together. And we're going to vote on it, all right? Because we are Baptists, bless God, right? And we're going to do it together. And we're going to believe that God is able. And uh, am I nervous? No. Because all my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. And as long as I'm able... I will sing of the goodness of God. So we're going to sing this last song. And as we sing, you can be dismissed. You can, you can stay and sing. You got to leave after a little while because we ain't have room for you in the next one. And then you come back and we'll, we'll eat some hot dogs and hamburgers and the desserts you bring. And we're going to have a big day because it's our birthday, y'all. This is us and this is who we are. And I pray that you've experienced the Lord today in a fresh and unique way and you're ready to live all for Jesus. And I pray that we go out of this place and we kick a dent in hell for King Jesus. So let's commit now. As Jeremy leads us in this great song, you move, you make your commitments. I love you guys. If you trusted Christ today, we have a new believers packet for you available back on the back table. We'd love to talk with you. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team will be hanging around. God bless you. I love you. And let's sing our way out of here. Make your commitments now.
fail me 